define anyone. Hey, can you say that? Yes, please. Did you hear that? Wine anyone. Who likes red wine? Alrighty. Well, this morning I want to talk about wine and wineskins. More importantly, though, I want to talk about wineskins and new wine. And this is a... What is it? It is a Selene. Do you see that? There you go. See, that man knows his wines, doesn't he, eh? Is it Syrah? Is that how you say it? A two? No. A Syrah. Thank you very much. The people in Hawke's Bay will be horrified that you thought that was... Anyway. I'm going to taste this one. Anybody got a bit of bread? I'll have communion right now. It's very nice, actually. It's a nice drop. I'll try not to knock that over. But um, back in the day, they didn't have these things called bottles. They didn't have this glass structure that they could pour and hold their wine in, but they had these things called wine skins. And we're going to look at a wine skin, and a wine skin was made out of animal hide or animal gut. And so that was what was used to store, as I said, the wine, because they didn't have bottles. They weren't as modern as what we are today. So come with me to Luke 5. The wine's going to taste better than the water, I think. So, Luke five, thirty-seven. Anybody been to Italy and um, been to a winery or even here and stood in on the grapes? You know, you can. I remember when I went to Europe and I did a, a tour of Europe, and they take you to these places, and you can actually jump in these massive barrels with wine grapes in your bare feet, and you can actually stomp around uh, squashing um, the, 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 the grapes. And it's awesome. It's a, bit free, it's a bit funny feeling in your toes, but it's quite a cool thing you can do. And I remember doing that when I was in Europe. And um, you have to wash your feet, of course, before you <laughs> jump in there. And uh, I saw one guy, Aussie guy, trying to like lick the, you know, he's trying to lick the soles of his foot afterwards. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, they were farmers from Australia. They were, they were pretty crazy. In fact, one of the guys, he, he wanted to go partying uh, one night and um, he jumped out of the hotel window because they wouldn't let you out after 11 o'clock. So he, he tried to jump. He had sort of the hotel, there was this massive drop, and then there was sort of the grass to prevent burglars trying to scale up and climb in the window. And so he tried to launch himself off uh, three stories onto the grass while he missed and cracked his head open. And uh, unbeknown to me, because I was fast asleep, he was rushed to the hospital. Um, Someone thought the other person was trying to push him out the window, so then they went to the hospital, to the police station, and he had this massive open wound here, but he was back on the turps. Uh, the next day, <laughs> I thought, mate, you Aussies are hard as nails. But um, so don't rec- I don't recommend you do that. So just stick with the squashing the wines of you know, the grapes of you're in Italy. So anyway, let's go. Luke 5, verses 37. And no one, everyone say no one. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled out and the skins will be ruined. Verse 38, but new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. Verse 39, and no one after drinking old wine wishes for the new, 
For he says, the old is good enough. Nobody wants the new because we've tasted the old and the old is good enough. And I want to show, if you throw that picture up, that'd be great. That's a, a wineskin. That's what a, an authentic wineskin uh, sort of looks like. And let me read you just uh, a little bit of this. In ancient times, before wine bottles were invented, wine was stored in wineskins made of animal hide or gut. After a wineskin had been used, you got to listen, to, listen to this carefully because it's very powerful. There's a lot of typology between this and what God's doing today. After a wineskin had been used, it would become brittle and hardened. It would no longer have the elasticity within its structure to be of any further use for the wine fermenting process. A new wineskin would be needed in order to preserve the new wine. The old wineskin would break under the pressure of the fermenting wine because it no longer had the ability to be stretched or enlarged. The new wineskin, on the other hand, is elastic and stretches its container very effectively when the fermenting of the wine takes place. The church of Jesus Christ must be flexible and willing to be stretched and enlarged by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Let me read this passage to us all again. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled out and the skins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins and no one after drinking old wine wishes for the new, he said, for he says the old is good enough. I'm just going to read you very quickly Isaiah um, 43 and verse 18 to 19. God says this, Do not call to mind the former things or ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. You will not be aware of it. I will even make a roadway in the wilderness. See, God is doing a new thing. We've been on a journey in the last two and a half, three years of a new wineskin. He's releasing more. The Bible says in Daniel that in the end times, there'll be a greater release of knowledge on the earth that God's people will come into a greater reality of what is even in front of them. And it's a continuous process because on one aspect, and I don't want to confuse anyone, it's not new, it's old, but it's being revealed, which means it's new. It's a continuous process. God is revealing to us the importance of the gifts that he gives the church to build. Is it new? No, it's always been there. But God is revealing it more and more in the season to us. He's revealing His purposes. He's revealing how the church is to fit into His purposes. How He has dreams. He has prayers. That He longs to see us. Which means there's a letting go of us. Is it new? No. But is God putting His finger on it more and more? Yes. Why? Personally, I believe because of the time and the season we're in. The Bible says in Isaiah that God wrote the end and then he went to the beginning. He declares the end and then he starts. And so there's an end goal. 
We know that. We know this planet's not lasting forever. We know that. We are moving towards the end. And in each season, stage, whatever you want to call it, of the end, there's a greater reality, a greater release of God's truth into the earth that the church of Jesus must appropriate and live within that season. Otherwise, we're trying to stay here doing what's old when God is over here going, come over this side. It's raining here. No, God, I want it to rain on me here. No, I'm God and it's raining here. No, I'm, I'm human. You must rain on me. No, I'm God and you must rain on here. You know what happens? That pressure builds and builds and builds like a big pimple. That just came to me then. And there's a build-up of pressure, like it says here, and the old wineskin can't handle it, and it bursts. You see, the pressure that God applies at time, which is from God, is for our own benefit, that He's trying to lead us to a place where, you know what, you get so frustrated being on this side, and it not happening, and it not happening, but you keep praying, and you keep praying, and you keep doing the same thing. It's called insanity, by the way. You do the same thing, and the same thing, but there's no result, and there's no result. And you, you, put, you build camp around here, and God's over there going, yo, I'm over here. Have I got ears to hear that? Yo, Greg, I'm over here. Who do the people say that I am, Greg? Well, I don't know. Some say you're Elijah. But who do you say I am, Peter? Because Peter had started a journey this way. He got sick and tired of being there and he started journeying this way and he could start to hear more, receive more and come into more. You see, sometimes, and this is what I've seen, it's been my reality because I know this is true because I've had to walk through it myself. It's my own testimony. I heard my wife two weeks ago, sorry, last week, get up and share her own testimony of a breaking down that needs to happen to come into the new. I, I'm str- in the last, I've seen Danielle come alive at such a measure in two weeks. The freedom, she's receiving visions, dreams, the word. She came into me the other morning at six o'clock. God, I've got to share this with you. I'm like, I just want to sleep. I want to sleep. She's like, this is happening. Look at this. Look what he's showing me. She saw pictures for last Sunday. She starts creating stuff. We need to do this, this, and this, and this. You're going to see. You haven't seen yet this woman of God. I haven't seen her yet of who she is becoming and the fullness of who she is becoming. It's incredible. So you better watch out. I better watch out. You see, there was pressure that built And sometimes God allows us pressure. And if you continue to fight the pressure, distance is created. The pressure comes because he's trying to awaken you to something. And so you turn this way or that way or that way or that way. And you know what? Stop, block, 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 block. Ah! Who can remember my vision? The man in the middle with the stakes around him. And everything was being removed. Why? Because he went that way and grabbed hold of God. You see, with the wine skin, it can't handle the new wine. There's nothing wrong with the wine. It's the skin. The skin, the new wine's got life. It's got power. It's got vitality. It's got fragrance. It's got everything. But the skin can't handle it because it's hardened. It's become brittle. Thinks it knows it all. And so it bursts. So you can't put new wine into a wine skin. And you know what? We all know it, it says. Come back with me to verse 37. And no one puts new wine into an old skin. 
See, no one, everyone knows you can't do it. Do you hear me? No one would even try to do it because, well, this isn't going to work. Why? Because the skin's going to burst your muppet. So no one does it. And right here is where we see this incredible tension between the new and the old. I hope you can hear what I'm saying today because, see, we instinctively know, we know this, that whenever something of an idea, a truth, maybe a concept or a model of something comes which is different from what we know, there's going to require a change on my part. I'm in the process of receiving an iPad. Now I'm going, oh, that means I have to relearn some stuff. That means I have to learn how to do this and do that. But I've been promised it's awesome. And the speed of it's going to increase. It's going to be lighter. You put it in your bag. You won't have this big lumpy thing when you go through customs and all that. Just be nice in your bag. But you know what? I've got to embrace a change process. Because I'm used to my laptop. My Hewlett-Packard, nice thing, nice size, big. I understand it. It's comfortable. Know how it works. Know the limit on the battery. I know all the stuff about my old laptop. What I don't know is about the new because it comes with a manual and I've got to read it. I've got to change. And if I try and live in my old tablet with this new iPad, you know what? It ain't going to work. And I'll miss out on the features and the benefits of the iPad. Why? Because I don't know it. Because I'm resisting change. But if anyone should be comfortable with change, it's us. You're going from glory to glory. That's a giveaway right there. But it says this. It says, no one after drinking the old wine wishes for the new because the old is good enough. It's good. Nothing wrong with good, Greg. Is there? Come on, man, it's good. But it's not God. It's not great. It's just good. Jesus said no one's good enough. You see, good isn't great and it isn't God. And it might have been good or great in a season, but it's no longer. It's expired. So now it's not good. But you know what? Ooh. Oh, man, that's right. I'd almost forgotten what that tasted like. Gee, they tried to sell me on that new new wine, Kirk. But that 2002 vintage Shirah from Hawke's Bay. They almost had me. I almost had to go to that new look, that new model, that new idea, that new concept, that greater reality of truth. But let me just remind myself and tell myself again how good this is. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) You see, we... There's freedom in Jesus, isn't there? (laughs) See, we taste the old. We remind the old. Why? Because we remember. So we don't have to change. See, we know that there's going to be change. We know if we're going to embrace something new, if I'm going to buy a new car, a new dishwasher, a new microwave, if I'm going to enter into a new relationship, man, some things have to change. 
I may have to change. You know, the problem's not this person. It's me. They just don't understand me. They don't understand me. No, no. The Bible says, I'm a mirror. Put it up. Before you ever judge anyone or try and correct anybody, have a good look. You know, the reality is most of us don't see what's there, though. No, ain't me. Right, away we go again. It's you. You're the problem. It's you. You're this pressure that's causing me to change. You're the pressure. No, it's probably him trying to lead you into a greater reality of him. Let me give you another example. You know I all play golf. And um, I've got this lovely 1981 Dunlop two-wooded driver. I love this. It says on here, Green Finder. <laughs> I thought, what do you do? You just sort of point towards the green and say, ball, club, find the green. <laughs> if that's the case, I'm going to be uh, acquiring this off somebody. <laughs> but you know what? It's nothing wrong with it, is it? It was good. 1981 was what the technology had birthed. It's this wooden-headed, stainless steel driver. Sounds good. Swings good through the air. I just hear my mum go. <sighs> and it's good. Hits the ball. Got quite a little head. Probably got a nice sweet spot in the middle of the head. It's good. Would have done me well in 1981. Maybe even today if I took it out. Hits the ball. Maybe goes a certain distance, depending on how good you are. But then 1990 came along. Woo! Now we've got the King Cobra. Look at this thing. $900 retail at Rebel Sport. When I was working there, didn't bite for that. But anyway, this thing, this has a graphite shaft steel. Uh, sorry, graphite shaft. Graphite shaft. <laughs> and it has a titanium head which means it's a lot lighter than the steel. Okay, you swing this. Whoa, look at that thing go. I knock it a lot further with this thing. It's effortless, more effortless to have a graphite shafted driver. Don't have to swing as hard. Whoa, it's light. Feel the weight of that. So light you wouldn't even know you've got a club in your hand. But it's good again. It's awesome. It used to be my baby. I'd go to bed with it, sleep with it. You think I'm joking, I'm not. <laughs> That's before I was married. Talk to it, caress her, tell her she's going to go well the next day. But then I fell out of love with her and I fell in with the up version model of the King Cobra. Again, check this baby out. Woo! You wouldn't think you could miss with this, eh, Alistair? No. <laughs> That's whenever time he uses it off me, by the way. <laughs> Look at the size of that head. I mean, that is huge. It's a dinner plate. That's right. You could hit a, you could hit a marble with this sucker. Yay. This thing is a stiff shaft, which means that when I swing, the, the, the flex of the shaft is a lot stiffer than the other one. This has this huge head. This goes about 30, 40 meters, 50 meters longer than that other club. Man, this is what I'm talking about. But you know what? This used to be my baby. Where's it gone? More and more. It's been nicked, been sold on. 
sold on trade me by the fight for a new van or something. <laughs> That's all good. You can have it if you want it and do that. But this did a good job. But you know when I transitioned to this? Man, I was having issues hitting the thing. I was hitting it right, hitting it left, missing it completely, hitting it along the ground. I'm going, man, it ain't like the one I had before. It ain't the old. Maybe I should go back to the old. You know what? I did. I put that one away. Alice will tell you, oh, I'm just hitting irons because I can hit irons. And I went down south to Queenstown with a family, and with you know, Rolly and Sandra, had a game of golf with Rob, their son, and I pulled this sucker out. Ooh, smack. Oh, there she goes again. You're back. That thing cost me money. I parked that. I'm not using that again. I'm going back to the old. This is comfortable. It's trusted. It's reliable. I know it. I don't have to change. Oh, and it works too. Whoo, did it fly. Something niggling me. Nah. Probably because I spent $400 on it. <laughs> See, go back to this. Go back to the new. Go on, go back to the new. You're going to have to change the way you do some things. You might need to get a lesson. So I've started to have a look. And my book, good buddy Alistair, who he always helps me out on the course, and it's great because then I beat him. <laughs> I was looking at the way he held his, his grip. I went, oh, okay, I'll try that. Then I looked at where he placed his feet. So he didn't know I was doing this. <laughs> <laughs> then I line the ball up more in the middle of my feet. This feels a bit better. And you know what? Crack. Woo-hoo! Look at that baby go. 50, 40 meters longer than that. Now I know how to use this thing. It's awesome. It was a struggle. There was a wrestle. There was a transformation needed of the mind. I need to persevere. I needed to put up with, to come into. There was a time of transition and change. But you know what? My mind said, go back to the old. Because the old is good enough. My spirit goes, go on. Just allow a bit of change, allow a bit of tension and come into the new. And my golf game now, I cracked 90. I've cracked 90 in the last three games twice. And my handicap's coming down. And I'm proud. And I'm beating him. <laughs> Here's the thought, guys. It's not change that we're afraid of, but the fear of the loss of control that's associated with the change. What am I going to lose? I'm not in control. I'm out of control. This is unknown. I don't know where I'm going with this. That's what the Bible calls faith. And that we need faith. It's why it's one of the top three things. Faith, hope, and love intertwine. He's returning for people of faith. To let go, for go from the old to the new requires faith. Who? Not in yourself. Not in the old. In Him. But it's unknown territory, isn't it? You see, the Israelites never were able, a good portion weren't able to journey and transfer over into the promised land. Why? 
The Bible says they lacked faith. They had unbelief. See, they were constantly trying to revert back to what they knew, although the old was killing them, wasn't it? I've never understood that, but I do about human nature. Here they are being pillaged in bondage, persevered, oppressed, whipped. They are this people of just no significance, really, from who they're called to be. Moses is sent to them to be a voice to lead them out. They then lead them out. And what happens when it all starts getting a bit too hard, they turn around, they see Egypt coming this way, and they say, we want to run back. Oh, gee, it was so good over here, wasn't it? You see, you forget, don't we? We forget in the process of transition, going from the old to the new, there's this wilderness sort of thing experience where you've got to come into it. And in the moment in the middle is the most vulnerable time in your faith because the enemy and your nature is calling you back, although back is rubbish. You hear what I'm saying? Rubbish for them. Let's go back to what? What are we going back for? Faith. And I've said this many times. It's spelled R-I-S-K. You've got to take risks. You've got to take out of the boat. You've got to trust in one another. Gee, can we do that? I've grown up just to trust in myself. Depend on me. It's a good Kiwi thing. I ain't no one's dependent on, on me. I'm self-made. She'd be right, mate. We can do anything. But a wire, we'll make a boat. <laughs> See, the problem is we're good at it. We're flipping good at it. Aren't we? We're innovators. That's why God actually birthed something in New Zealand that's gone. Look at the, look at the, the incredible communities that are birthed. Kiwis are running them. Why? Because it's something that God has put in us. But you know what? It can be our worst enemy as well. Independence, not into. We should be interdependent, not independent. And these people, I'm going to read the scripture to you, the Hebrews 3.18. And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? It's a powerful word, isn't it? Disobedient. So we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. Hebrews 4, 1 and 2. Therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard it. You see, there's this uneasy tension. See, in Thessalonians it said that when Paul spoke, the Thessalonians heard the word as if it was from God, believed it by faith, and it performed a work in them. There's a real tension, isn't there? there? And here we see these Israelites not able to enter into what God had for them. How sad is that? Why? Because they didn't believe. They didn't believe. And we know that thousands died. Forty years. I think it's about an 11-day journey. Oof. 
you can stay on this side going, it's good enough, it's good enough, it's good enough. How many people have said this? If only if. If only if I'd received God at 21 when he came with bright shining lights like a neon bulb. Boop, 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 I'm here. And you can ask that question and go round and round and round, but at the same time, well, I didn't, and now I'm here. That could be part of the plan. Might not have been part of the plan. I said, come, he came, let's do business. I walked away. I don't know. But you can stay here drinking the old wine going, it's good enough, it's good enough, it's good enough, it's good enough. But it ain't over this side where there's a greater sense of reality of God and life and it's now great. Jim Collins wrote a book, Going From Good to Great. And what he identified was the great companies were those who were prepared to change, who were prepared to move with what was happening, to be able to allow transformation to come. Those that wanted to stay where they were and believe what they had was still sufficient for the time they were in, struggled and died. Now remember, I'm talking spiritual context near, not just world stuff. We are journeying. God said we're moving. And there's a greater depth for every season we come into that the church is trying to come into. How many of us have arrived? No, I know I haven't. There's still some things that I know God's working in me. A lot of things he's working in me. If we are to receive the fresh living wine that God has for us, then we need a new wineskin which will require us to change. And as I've said, if there are people who are supposed to be comfortable with change, it's the church. Transformation comes, the Bible says, at the renewing of our mind through the Spirit. Now listen real carefully for this, and I say all of this in love. So if we are being transformed by the renewing of our minds, then we will be experiencing more and more of Him, which brings a greater reality of His truth, His righteousness, His peace, His joy, His freedom, His life, his purposes that's one half of a two-part equation now if we are not experiencing more of his righteousness his peace his joy his freedom his purposes his life in our lives than we were six months ago a year ago three months ago ten years ago then the harsh reality is that we are probably not being transformed which means our minds aren't being renewed or we think we have already arrived and we know it all. Now I say that in absolute love to encourage us to be on the journey of transformation because if I am the same person with the same level of thinking, with the same level of understanding, knowing that the Bible says that the church is growing and coming into and the kingdom has come, but it's coming. There are all these two-part dynamics to it. I'm going to read another one out to you. Then there's something not quite right with that picture. And we're not to beat ourselves up with that. We're just to acknowledge it, turn back to last weekend, and go, God, I want more of you because when I read this, you say, if I seek you with everything I am, you will come. Jeremiah says, if you would call to me, I will show you things that you do not even yet know. 
The Bible says in Proverbs that God has concealed things. It's his glory to conceal things for us and kings go looking for it. A man we see found gold in a field and then went and sold everything he had to buy the field. Change. Transformation. And I don't want to, I'm going to use this again, but I, once again, my wife, two weeks, I've seen change, transformation. I'm seeing my wife get up at 5.30 in the morning for an hour before she goes to work. She started boot camp. She started doing fitness stuff. She started doing so. Out of this transformation has come another type of physical transformation as well. I'm seeing more freedom. I'm seeing more joy. She shared this as well. Our daughter said just the other week, Mommy, you've changed. You're not as angry as what you have been. For the glory of God. Amen. Do you know what? We're all in that situation. We're all in there together. This is why God gives us this environment called discipleship, which he said, just in case you forget what it looks like, I'm actually going to come down and show you what it looks like. And you know what? It is the environment for transformation. When people genuinely, authentically come together in his name, without judging spirits, without right and wrong attitudes, but come together and love is the thing that binds these people together and Christ's love. You know what happens? We can all say, right, off with the mask. Here's Greg Simner with all his warts that he struggled with X, Y, Z. And everyone does that and there's vulnerability, honesty, transparency. Everyone knows they're not going to be judged, but can genuinely be who they are and go, we're all here together. The Holy Spirit goes, gee, at long last, now I can come and now there can be real transformation. We don't have to try and replicate it. We don't have to try and fake it. We don't have to do all these things that we think we have to do. It's an environment of transformation. Why? Because it's anchored in love, in truth, in a spirit, in prayer, in fellowship, and you start seeing a transformed people. That's why we're calling to walk together. That's why we're urging you to place yourselves in these environments. Not because it's a church program, because it's a lifestyle. And it's the lifestyle of every follower of Jesus Christ. And Jesus patterned it. It's the only way. Really. It's the sponge. You might get a bit of icing in a service like this. You might taste and go, oh, that was good. But you know what? What I've seen generally never lasts. Last three days, you go to a conference, you're high for three weeks, and you're back to square one. Why? Because there's no inner transformation. Why? Because I'm not placed in an environment that God actually designs. Where there's safety, love, security, trust, patience, long-suffering, perseverance, correction, edification. So he says, come follow me. See, the question is, do you want to be transformed? The question is, do you want to come into everything God has? Do you want it? His love is so incredible that he allows you to stay over here if you want. This is good. It's good. And I've used this analogy before. You go climb Mount Everest, it's amazing at a thousand feet. Different from at zero feet, isn't it? But you want to go to 5,000 feet, what do you see? When we went to Brisbane and we got on that Tower of Terror, you know what? When I'm sitting on the seat, all I could see was other people around me. All I could see was the seat I was on. I could see some of the other people <laughs> coming off screaming. And 
I'm going, mate, do I really want to go on this thing? All I could see was at that level. But you know what? As this thing started to go up, 39 stories. You know, I could see at 17, I could sort of start seeing Brisbane. Man, look at Brisbane. Look at that. Look at the car over there. There's a guy mowing his lawn over there. There's some people over there swimming. There's some people doing that. There's a game going on. This is pretty cool. Couldn't see this when I was on the bottom. But you know, I could see at 39 feet. I could see the Gold Coast. Mate, look at that guy hitting that wave. Is that Jeremy or Kirk? <laughs> Why aren't that the rock working? <laughs> the view was incredible at 39 feet. It was good on the floor. It was a bit better at 17, but it was incredible at 39 stories. How high do you want to go? He says, I came, I died, I empowered. That's what grace is. It's the covering so his church can arrive at the point that we're supposed to. So when that day of judgment comes and we all stand there, you get an A report. Is it about rewards? You better bet your life it is. Read the book. I don't want to receive a loss. And it has nothing to do with heaven or hell. It's everything to do with reward. So when I stand there and he goes through, every thought, word, deed, action is coming up. Let's open the book. Love covers that I would come into the fullness he has and not receive a loss. Let me just read you. What's the time? Can we handle another five minutes? <coughs> what about everyone else? <laughs> Come with me to 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18. We are to be on this journey of transformation. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Whoo! Isn't that awesome? Where the Spirit of God is, there is liberty. The more we allow Him to define us, the more we allow Him to become in us, He's there, but the more we move and, you know, by the Spirit, start living for Him, start choosing His will over our own, start putting on love and these things, there's a greater sense of liberty. But we all with an unveiled face, because He's taken the veil off us, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit, being transformed. It's always two parts. Otherwise, you might as well take out Paul's writings. You may as well take them out. The life I choose to live, I no longer live in the flesh. I live it by faith and I allow this process of transformation to occur. So God gives us a new spirit. Now he says, now this whole mind thing, it needs to be transformed. It needs to be renewed. You need to think like me, act like me, 
live like me, speak like me, love like me. Well, that is the process of maturity and transformation that the church, you and I, are called to be on. So come across to 2 Corinthians 4 now, 16. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 says this, Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. Day by day. Not year by year. Mel brought this up at staff. She said, you know, the Bible says that we are to be encouraging one another daily. It was awesome. You should have heard a, could have heard a pin drop. It's like, yeah. How often do I encourage him? How often do you encourage him? Well, maybe now and again through a text, but daily. See, my body, I'm trying to keep it in shape and I'm trying to keep it standing the right way up and all those things. But I know that it's decaying, but my inner man is being renewed. And I love this last bit. For momentary light affliction. See, Paul saw everything that he went through. This is Paul. This is the guy that's in prison who's been kicked, beaten, and goes, let's sing some songs, boys. It's time to pray. It's time to put on the praise on. It's time to be, you know, get into his presence and call on his name and, and let's just worship this incredible God. I know we're in darkness. I know we're in chains. I know we're being broken, whipped, but you know what? This is just my physical. My inner man, my inner spirit is going from glory to glory. And you know what? I can sing some songs because of it. I haven't got a pity party going on, right? If anyone deserved to have a pity party, it was Paul, yeah? But no, he's an example. Imitate me as I imitate the Christ. The church is to look like Paul, like Paul looks like the Christ. So he starts singing, praising, giving worship with um, Silas. And what happens? Whew, the kingdom comes in power and might. Chains are broken. Doors are open. Everybody's chains are set free and nobody moves. Why? Because they're all in awe of God that just turned up. Not Paul, but you know what? It's that attitude. It's that mindset. It's that spirit that draws the power of God to come. One man. Two. What does it say? Can set how many to flight? So this is the same guy that says, you know what? Yeah, I was kicked, beaten, almost left for dead. Momentary, afflic- momentary light affliction. He says it's producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. That's why I've been harping on like a broken record. You want to live a transformed life here? Get a revelation of what you're moving to. You get a revelation of the return of Christ, not a head knowledge, a revelation. You get a revelation of the eternal purpose of the church, a revelation, not a theological understanding that sits in your head. I'm talking about a theological understanding that has been revealed via the Holy Spirit, which 
sits in your heart and bursts forth out of you, your life will appropriate that revelation. That's the whole point of revelation. See, there's information, formation, and revelation. And Jesus and God is trying to bring us into revelation so the revelation of truth sets you free. You appropriate what you're actually saying. And Paul's going here, this is just momentary affliction compared to what you have shown me. I'm going through it because I know where I'm going. And it isn't just that one man's reality, it's the reality for you and I. And this is the wineskin that he's birthing here. He's going to birth him at a greater depth, a greater reality of his purposes, the way the church is to look and be. The church of Jesus Christ is to be a selfless people. As you be selfless and live in that reality, you get taken care of. See, it's always about him first. As you choose him and his purposes, lay your life down for him. What happens? He comes and starts to reveal who you are, the depth of who he has for you. But it never starts in you. Never. Those that do my will, if you would lose your life, come follow me. If you would deny yourself. But the old is good, man. Greg, the old is really good. Yeah, it might be. It may be. And I'm saying today, if you're comfortable with the old, that's cool. But what I do want to say, as just a follower of Jesus, there is more on offer. Not as a pastor, not as your leader, just as your brother. There is more on offer. Because when Peter was going, let's pitch a tent because I've seen the transfiguration and oh my God, this is incredible. I've never been here before. Let's pitch a tent and let's camp and let's stay here for the rest of our lives, man, because I've never seen you like this. I'm freaking out a little bit, but it's incredible. I've seen you do some miracles and I've seen you heal some people, but I've not seen you in this garment, in this clothing, this radiation, this light, this brightness. Come let's pitch a tent right here and stay. What did Jesus say? Eh. Wrong answer. But he doesn't send them back 10 paces. He says, come on, there's more. There's way more. You want to sit on my throne with me? You want to rule and reign with me and govern with me? Ooh. can't receive because our hearts have become hardened and sometimes we don't even know it until sometimes something comes along that reveals it to us jesus said to his disciples do you not yet see or understand do you have a hardened heart i didn't realize they had a hardened heart I wouldn't have told you how to harden heart at all. I'm soft heart. It's open. I've shared this. Something came. Greater depths of truth came to a friend. No, nah, I don't know if I believe that. He said, that's okay. He said, but would you journey with me to discover whether it's true or not? 
If I'm deceived, then what I'm bringing you is a lie. Would you journey with me and contend with me to bring me back from deception? Because if it is, I don't want to stay in deception, but I really believe this is of the Lord and he's called me to speak to you. How many people know you're at a crossroads right about there? Well, is this thing built about Greg Simner and Greg Simner's ego and what Greg Simner knows? Or is it about God and God's truth? And do I love this brother? Because if I don't journey with him, gee, my heart's being revealed right about then, isn't it? Because if I love this man and he is in deception, what sort of a brother leaves a brother in deception? Man, I'm so glad I journeyed. And together we have come into more and continue to come into more anchored in him. It's never been about being right or wrong. It's never been about let me show you how wrong you've got it. It's literally just been about contending for a greater depth of understanding of God and the way he does things. Is it new? No. It's always sitting here. And we have to be confronted, and we are being confronted. And I've shared this. I shared this with the eldership. I knew this year would be a revealing of hearts. What God's doing is coming and revealing to us and his church, not just us, but he's, for whatever reason, he's starting here. And it's happening around the place as I'm talking with other leaders. Just revealing where things are or where they may not be. And we're not to get down about that. We're not to get on the negative slant. We're not to start beating one another up. We're not to start going, oh, I'm useless and I'm hopeless and blah, blah, blah. All that. That's exactly where the enemy would want to take you. And if you allow it, it will happen. But we are to go, okay, maybe, maybe not. Let's contend. Let's see. And let's go after him. And let's see if maybe I'm going to come into more of him. I just feel that I'm just going to read this one thing and then I'm going to finish because I want to be asking more questions and speaking. 1 Corinthians 5, 6, 7. Don't go there, just I'll read this to you. That is not the right passage. Ah, there it is, sorry. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump, just as you are, in fact, unleavened. Now, can you hear what it's saying? Do you not know that a little leaven, that's why Jesus warned the, his disciples about the Pharisees, leaven, their teaching. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole of the dough? Clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump, just as you are, in fact, unleavened. So I am it, but there's this process of change going on. Can you hear me? I am saved and being saved. I am free and I'm becoming freer. I'm coming into a reality that he bought and paid for, but I'm not yet living in it or appropriating it out of my life because I'm still struggling with these issues. 
Call that your humanity, whatever you want to call it, your flesh, but he's trying to bring you free from that where that gets settled and you can actually say, I no longer struggle with insecurity or jealousy or bitterness or pride or ego. Why? Because I've been popped and I've come into, and you know what it does? People look and go, you've changed. Why have you changed? Talk to me about your change. Talk to me about this life because you used to struggle. I'm seeing it with my own eyes. You're different. You're a different cat. You're a different bear from this one. You used to growl and get angry, but now you're not. What's this about? Well, let me tell you about the love of Jesus that wants to bring you into the reality that you read about in the book. This is the wineskin that you're going to hear more and more here. This is what last Sunday was about, turning. It was turning to him. Maybe none of us had all understanding of it. That's okay. Faith and obedience is what he's looking for. Turning to him, coming back to. God, am am I? This is the questions I ask. Are you number one in my heart? Look at your life. You'll very quickly have that order sorted out. That question will be answered if you look at your life. Where you're spending your time, energy, and resource will tell you who's number one in your life. It's not rocket science. So just get honest with them and go, wow, okay, yes or no. Right, now, I'm going to start placing myself in some environments and I'm going to contend for and I'm going to come into a reality that you've called me to come into. And the question is, do we want it? Do we want it as a family? Because you'll never do it on your own. Never doesn't work like that he intentionally creates it doesn't he why do you think there's all these giftings why do you think some are only why do you think that it requires because it requires unity it requires a dying to self it's never about you and jesus read the bible again god never talks about it he always comes through as a body Are you important as an individual? Of course you are. Yes, he died for you as a person, so you would get on board with the body, get on board with what he's about. The body, the body, the body, arms, legs, feet, ears, eyes, heads. God has given us all giftings, abilities to serve him with, to serve as a body. Not to create little empires, not to be the greatest worship leader, rock star you can be, whatever the greatest accountant, whatever. Those are all good, all aren't it, but are they anchored in him? Because he's looking to build a body, men, women, children, the body of Christ that reflect him on this earth that a world looks and sees. It's selfless, but it's life. It overcomes, it continues to overcome, it brings more people in, that had broken and being broken and being made whole. And the power of God falls and, man, I read about it in here. I'm laying my life down to see it here. Be amazing, eh? Be amazing. But the cost is great, but the reward is greater. 
How many people discovered that? How many people have given their life to Christ and your life has gone backwards since? You may be going through hard stuff. Remember, because he never promised that it was all going to be rosy. never said that I'm going to make your life happy. He said you're going to have trials and tribulations. He said, but I'll turn you into my image. You see, when Jesus said these words, I will build my church, what he meant was, I'm building a people that look like this. And they will release the manifold wisdom of God in the earth, which is my heart, my nature. When they are wronged, they say, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. When they're persecuted, love comes. That's a big call, eh? That's a massive call. But you know what it's possible? Do you believe it's possible? Do you believe it's possible? Because anything's possible in Him, the Bible says. Absolute truth. So He's doing some work in us. Because for this to be a reality, it has to be in you to come out of you. You're never just going to put this on externally. You might do it once and it'll dissipate into something. 